Our scripture reading today is from John chapter 1, 1 through 5. This is found on page 886 in your pew Bible. If you don't have a Bible, we'd love for you to take that one home as a gift from us. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness. The darkness has not overcome it. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. Well, good morning. Welcome to Christ Community, and we're glad that you're here. And if you feel like uh, it seems like there's kind of a small crowd here this morning, that's true, but you should have seen 9 o'clock. This is like way fuller than 9 o'clock. So thanks for braving the cold and, uh, and being here with us on this first day of the new year. And before we dive into the sermon series, uh, and we're actually beginning a new series in the Gospel of John for 2022 here, and I'm really excited about that. Before we do that, I wanted to also mention something that's coming up in January uh, that we're going to be doing together as a whole church. And one of the, you can actually find more details about it here. So if you haven't picked up one of these, make sure you do. This has got information about lots of different uh, things that are happening in the life of the church in the, in the coming weeks. But one of them in particular, there's this little flap that folds out here, and you'll see at the top it says E90. And I just wanted to tell you a little bit about that. It's going to be launching here in a couple weeks, because we believe that Jesus loves all people and wants all people to come to know and trust in him. And we also believe that when God's people pray, and when they seek after him and trust that that he answers those prayers. So as a church family, we are going to be dedicating 90 days here in 2022 to prayer. And we want everyone in the congregation to choose nine specific people, uh, maybe someone in your family, uh, in your neighborhood, in your workplace, but pick nine people and commit to praying for them for 90 days, for 90 seconds each day. And actually, starting on January 16th, that's two Sundays from today, we are going to commit as a church family to pray each day. And we're actually going to give space in the Sunday services for you to do that on that one day of of those Sundays. So uh, nine people, 90 days for 90 days, that God would open hearts and doors for the gospel. So formerly, you may have heard us talk about this as called 90 for 9. So we we mentioned this earlier uh, last year as something we were going to do at the first of the year. We're calling it E90 now. We want to grow uh, in this discipline, this habit of evangelism every day, everywhere that God has called us. And again, we'll have uh, this all going to be kind of delivered through the formed life. So if you're newer with us and you're not familiar, like, I don't know what the formed life is, you can, again, grab one of these, the the link to uh, that online. But it's a daily discipleship, a daily devotional tool that we as a church put together. You just go to theformed.life, and everything that you're going to need to engage in this prayer rhythm, learn more about that, uh, is going to be right there on that website for you, as well as we'll have uh, printed devotional books that are going to go along with all of that that you can pick up starting, uh, I believe, next week and, and the coming weeks after to participate in that. So one last thing to mention about that, we're going to do something we haven't done a lot of as a church, which is send out a text, because one of the things we want to do is not only just know that you're praying, but we want to hear from you stories of what's happening as you pray. So maybe you've been praying for someone at your office, and um, there's a, a moment when you get to have a conversation with someone 
um, and, and share that you're, you're a Christian and that, you know, this is how your faith has helped you, or, or something. It doesn't have to be anything big, dramatic, but just uh, something that's an answer to one of these prayers. We want to give you a way to share those stories back with us, and so we're going to send out some text messages throughout this time, just basically asking you, how's it going, and do you have any stories, any, any encouragement to share with us? Because we want to be sharing those good news kind of encouragements with our, our whole family. So be on the lookout. Um, we, we, again, we don't do a lot of mass texting as a church. Actually, we haven't really done that at all. Um, but you'll be getting a text in the next couple weeks from Christ Community. Just know that is actually from us. That's not spam. It's not someone trying to steal your identity. It really is Christ Community texting you about this new initiative that we're launching together. Okay, so, and if you have any questions about that, uh, again, we'll be sharing a lot more in the coming weeks, but just wanted to get that on your, kind of your radar for the beginning of the new year. So let me uh, pray as we continue worshiping together this morning and prepare to look at the scriptures today. Father in heaven, thank you for this brand new year. Thank you that you've brought us through another 165 days that you've preserved our lives, and that you've called us to yourself. And I pray that now as we turn to the scriptures and encounter Jesus, the living word, that you would strengthen our affection and our obedience to him. Would you fuel our delight and our joy? In Jesus' name, by the power of the Holy Spirit, amen. Well, I wonder if you've uh, taken down your Christmas decorations at home yet. Um, maybe you're one of those folks who likes to do that right away. Uh, maybe they're still up. If, if you still have your Christmas decorations up, one, we still do here at church as well, so that's totally okay. Um, they're going to come down this afternoon, actually. Uh, and we're still in the liturgical season of Christmas, so if you still have your, your decorations up, that's great. Like, you're living into the whole 12 days of Christmas. That's fantastic. Um, but soon, if you haven't already, you're going to have to kind of take on that task of going through the house, taking, packing up items, putting the Christmas tree uh, away, or taking it to somewhere if you have a live tree, taking on the Christmas lights, all of that process. And I actually really enjoy the process of putting things away. One of my favorite tasks at home, uh, just on a regular basis, is emptying the dishwasher. I, I love taking the clean dishes, putting them back where they go, it's just, I, I don't know, I get a lot of satisfaction out of that. So I, I actually like the process of taking things, putting them away, setting it back to order. Maybe that's you too. Uh, maybe you like taking down the decor, restoring things to their normal order, or, or maybe you dread that. But either way, I think there's a danger as we start this new year that we leave Christmas behind. And, and that, that is the, the reality that during the season of Advent, it's almost like, even if you're not a Christian, it's sort of like we all believe in something for like those four weeks of December. That there's sort of a good re-enchantment with life, mystery and hope break in. And, and even if because of loneliness or loss or grieving, Christmas is a really hard season, I think one of the reasons it is so hard is because you feel like you're on the outside of all that hope and wonder and joy that everyone else seems to be participating in. And then, sometime in these early days of the new year, we put it all in a box, back in storage, and move on with ordinary life as usual. And we're sort of confronted with the question, what do we do with Jesus now? It's like we, we get him to the manger on Christmas Eve, and then we start packing up the nativity scene. What do we do with Jesus now? Do we just put our faith back in the box too? 
that Jesus came as a baby, and in our imaginations, I think he so easily stays there in the manger, safely sort of bubble-wrapped with the rest of the decorations till next year. In fact, the other day, Graham, our, our three-year-old, said to my wife, he said, you know, I don't, I don't like Jesus. And, and Rachel was very calm. She said, well, why? Why don't you like Jesus? And, and just in a beautiful, perfect logic of a three-year-old, said, I don't like babies, so I don't like Jesus, because Jesus is a baby. And I think for so many of us, Jesus is still a baby in our imagination. He's kind of trapped in the manger, and so when Christmas is over, that's where he goes back with the decorations in the manger until next year. But is that the life that we were meant to live? Do we want to return to our plans, our goals, our desires with Jesus trapped in the Christmas decorations until next year? Is that how we want to start this new year? Because that's not the world I want to live in. It's not the world that we were designed to live in. And so as we start this year, new year, we need a better word. And in this passage today, John, who was actually one of Jesus' closest, one of his best friends, meets us with that better word. And this is the first message again in this new series where John, one of Jesus' closest friends, wants us to come and see Jesus for who he came to see him as the Word made flesh. And over these next few months, we're going to see just how better this Word is. And He is at the beginning. And He takes us on a journey all the way back, really before the beginning of time, and makes this stunning claim about Jesus. In this way, John is very different than the other three gospel accounts, these accounts of Jesus' life that we have in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and John. They all begin very differently. Uh, Matthew and Luke start with these kind of, um, well, Matthew has this uh, genealogy. They start with very different kinds of ways of setting up who Jesus is in the present moment of history. But John goes way back before that moment of history, goes back to the, the, before the Roman Empire was oppressing the Jews, back before they had been exiled to Babylon, back before there was an Israel, back before there was an Abraham, back before there was creation itself to the very beginning. And so I'd encourage you this morning to grab one of the pew Bibles or pull it up on your phone, but go to John chapter 1. It's the fourth book in the New Testament. So if you kind of get to about the, the last third of your Bible, that's kind of the New Testament, and then you can navigate there to Matthew, Mark, Luke, and then John, and we're going to just look at these very beginning verses. And this is what John writes, how he begins his account. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God, all things were made through him, and without him, not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. Now, at this point, if we just only read those four verses, we're still wondering who exactly is this word. But if you move down to verse 14, it gets a little bit clearer. And the word became flesh and dwell among us, and we have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. And if you follow the flow of chapter 1, there's no mistaking that this word become flesh is referring to a first century Jewish man named Jesus. And this is even more explicit to the very end of John's gospel, where he's carefully composed this account, put together this book, this scroll, and this is how he begins to, to wrap it up in the final 
section of the book, he says this, these are written so that you may believe, and belief is a big theme all throughout John, that Jesus is the Christ, that means the Messiah, that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in his name. Again, John, who is writing these words, the human author of these words, inspired by the Holy Spirit to record this life of Jesus, knew and loved Jesus deeply, and he invested the final years of his life crafting this scroll, this book, so that others might discover what he knew so deeply, that Jesus is the word we need, that Jesus himself is the word. And that's what we see here in these verses, that Jesus is the word we need. And this is a stunning claim that John makes here, that the word is a person. And this was going to be shocking both to John's original audiences, whether they were Jews or whether they were part of the broader Greco-Roman culture at the time. Because for Jews to say that God was revealing himself in a person named Jesus was blasphemy. The Jews had a long tradition right, of, of prophets, people who were speaking on behalf of God, who were hear, hearing words from God that they then communicated, but none of them were claiming to be God. In the Jewish mentality, there's always a staunch and undividing, and this is true in Christian theology, well, distinction between the creator and the creature. So the very fact that you would have a person, a human being, who was God, it just seemed like blasphemy. But also for the Greeks and the Romans, too, it just seemed silly. It seemed idiotic. The word that is translated here, the word, this idea of the, the, is the Greek word logos, in Greco-Roman thought, this was grasped by reason alone. It wasn't a person. It was, it was a principle which all the laws of the universe could be understood. There was an idea. This wasn't a human being. This was, this was an idea, almost like sort of what we would talk about today as a theory of everything. So it was a set of principles of, of, of ideas, not, not a person. But John says no to both of those, that, that neither dogma nor deduction can get you to God. You have to meet him, and you have to meet his word. You have to know the man Jesus who lived and died and rose again 2,000 years ago. Jesus is the word we need. And words in the Bible, this is true all throughout the Bible, words reveal. It's one of their main functions. They reveal who God is. And every time that he speaks, every time that he acts, he's revealing something about who he is. And John says that Jesus is the perfect word, the perfect, fullest, most complete statement of who God is, because he himself is, in fact, God. Jesus is not merely a prophet coming to give us a word from God about life. Jesus is not a, a morality teacher or a sage giving good advice, though he does give us profound wisdom in God's design for how we ought to live, but he's not merely a morality teacher. Jesus is identical with the word he proclaimed. Jesus is the perfect revelation of God. Jesus is the word we need because he is God. And Jesus is also the God we need. He's the word we need, but he's also the God we need. Jesus is not just mostly God. He's not, he's not partially God. He's not a portion of God. He is fully and truly God. And the pastor who wrote the book of Hebrews in the New Testament puts it similarly to John pastor here writes this. He says, long ago, at many times and in many ways, 
God spoke, again, this theme of word, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets, but in these last days, He has spoken to us by His Son, whom He appointed the heir of all things, through whom He also created the world. Again, that's a very similar theme to John 1. He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of His nature, and He upholds the universe by the word of His power. This pastor writing to this congregation in the book of Hebrews says, Jesus upholds the word, the universe, by the word of his power. And that's why John opens his scroll with the words, in the beginning. John isn't starting that way because it's a fairy tale. This isn't an idea of in the beginning is like a once upon a time. No, in the beginning is a very intentional echo hyperlink back to page one of your Bible. If you open up to page one of the Bible, the, the, the whole story the whole account of the Scriptures begins in Genesis 1-1 with the very words, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. John wants us to see that what is happening here is that Jesus is coming, and He's the beginning of a new creation, of new creation life. He starts this way as this link back, this in the beginning. And another fascinating thing that happens that John wants us to see is that the way that God creates in Genesis 1, if you just go on and read the verses in Genesis 1, is it's a lot of God speaking and then His Word coming to pass. And God said, let there be light, and there was light. Over and over again, that's the pattern. God speaks, and what He speaks comes to be. His Word accomplishes his purpose. And what John reveals to us here is that 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 word is actually God himself, Jesus, who creates all things. At the beginning of time, there was the Son of God who was with the Father. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God, and the Word was with God. And now we have to realize the implication of what is being said here by reminding ourselves again of who is saying this, who wrote this. This is John, a, a, a Jewish man who would have his entire life recited daily the Shema, this idea from Deuteronomy chapter 6 that says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall, have, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. And one of the things that was so clear, especially by the time you get to Jesus' birth in first century Judaism, is that there was one God and one God alone that the Jews worshipped, Yahweh. There wasn't multiple gods. There was one true God. And the Creator, which John means that the word that he speaks here is either the most blasphemous word imaginable, or this is the most incredibly good news available. And John says it again. It's like he's saying, seriously, you guys got to pay attention to what's happening. He, He, this word, was in the beginning with God. And Genesis says that only God was in the beginning, and when he spoke, life happened. And then John says, and yeah, that's right, and so was Jesus, and he is the Word. And actually, everything that was made was made through Jesus. And then John continues with the repetition. He wants us not to miss this, and he's structuring it beautifully in this poetic way, making it so clear that everything was made through him, and nothing that was made was made without him. There's, there's nothing that exists that Jesus didn't create Without Jesus, there wasn't anything made that was made. And we're stepping into mystery here. But herein lies what makes Christianity uniquely Christian. 
Christians have the audacious claim that Jesus was not merely a wise political or leader who sought justice or even God's purposes and then died in the pursuit. No, Christians, those who knew Jesus personally from the beginning, claimed that Jesus, and what Jesus himself claimed, that he was truly God, Yahweh, the one true God of Israel. Born truly and fully human, and yet truly and fully God. I love this image from Scott Erickson. He has a book called Honest Advent. He's also known as Scott the Painter, and just does really incredible artwork. But this is a, a picture of the infant Jesus, and I just, I love in the background of that silhouette, the, the, the heavens and the earth, the universe displayed. It captures the wonder of the Word who made the universe coming as a human infant. And I know that some of you may even be wrestling with the very framework of, is there a God at all, let alone, is Jesus God? But I've been challenged by what Rebecca, Rebecca McLaughlin writes uh, in her little book, Is Christmas Believable? She says this, As Australian speaker and author Glenn Shriver puts it, Christians believe in the virgin birth of Jesus. Atheists believe in the virgin birth of the universe. Choose your miracle. We all believe in some miracles. Which one do you choose? Jesus, the miraculous word, he is the one word that we all need. And everything hinges on this because Jesus is God or his word means nothing. Jesus is God or his word means nothing. Because there are a lot of different world religions and faiths that revere Jesus. Right? In Islam, Jesus is not considered God. He is, though, considered a prophet, the, the greatest and final prophet before the ultimate prophet, Muhammad. Jesus' Muslims claim spoke the truth about God, where it falls in agreement with the Quran, at least, which was written hundreds of years later. In Islam, though, Jesus didn't die on the cross. He didn't rise again from the dead. And the core claim of the Christian faith that Jesus is God is blasphemy of the highest order in Islam. Or the Jehovah's Witnesses. Those are the Kingdom Hall and the Watchtower magazine folks. Their Jesus also is not God. And actually, this is a key text that Jehovah's Witnesses will go to in John chapter 1 to say that Jesus was not God. He was a God. But that's a, that's a misreading of Greek grammar, and it misses the broader flow of biblical thought. Again, they claim that Jesus wasn't God, but just a God, a divine creature, and actually the first and greatest creature, but he still is a creature, that God existed, and then he made Jesus Jesus is not the creator, he's a creature, not the one true God alone, just one of the gods. Or what about the Mormons? Again, here Jesus is not the only God. The Father and the Spirit are also gods. There's, there's not a, a tri-unity as in Orthodox Christianity. And in fact, Jesus and the Spirit are born from the Father. And also in Mormonism, any married human who keeps the commandments of Mormonism can become a god because they are the same species of the Father and Jesus. So there's not the same idea of Jesus as uniquely God, the only one true God. Muslims, Jehovah's Witnesses, Mormons, they all, they all like Jesus, revere Jesus, admire Jesus, but they all stop short of saying what John 1, 1 through 4 says. 
that he is the God of Genesis 1, 1, that he is the one true God come as a human. In the words of the Nicene Creed that Jesus is God from God, light from light, true God from true God, begotten, not made, of one being with the Father. Through him all things were made. For us and for our salvation, he came down by, from heaven by the power of the Spirit, became incarnate from the Virgin Mary, and was made man, became a human If Jesus is not God, then his words are no better than any other human clamoring for their best guess at what life is all about before they are silenced for death. And and if that's true, if Jesus is just another human being, just another wise sage who had some really good ideas on morality, kind of based on on a Jewish worldview, then by all means, you can put Jesus back in the box with the Christmas decorations only to pull him out when you want a fairy tale at Christmas along with Santa and Rudolph and everything else. But if he, who, but if he is who John says he is here, if he is who John the Baptist, who we're going to learn about in a couple weeks here, if he's who John the Baptist said he was, if he's who the Scriptures point him to be, if he is who God the Father declared him to be at his baptism, if the stories of him commanding the wind and the waves to be silent at his whisper and they obeyed are true, if the stories of the blind and the lame and the outcast being restored are true, if Jesus is what his resurrection affirms him to be, if Jesus is God, then Jesus is the word we need. Today, on this first Sunday of 2022 and always, because in him is life. What we felt like we lost in 2020 what we hoped would be restored in 2021, and we were all sorely disappointed, and what we desperately long for now in 2022, life. And if you're here and you want life, Jesus is the word you need. So as we begin this new year, this new series together, let Jesus speak new life to you. Let him speak new life to you. It's why he came to speak new life. To rescue the word, excuse me, rescue the world, not to condemn it. In fact, if you keep on reading in the Gospel of John and you get to chapter 3, this is what John writes here. He says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be rescued, might be saved through him. Whosoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only son of God. You you see, for Christians, it's not ultimately about how well you have kept a set of rules that ultimately determines how you relate to God. But it comes down to, have you believed in Jesus? Have you put your hope and trust and faith and obedience and life and love and joy and hope in Him? Do you believe that God loves you so much that He gave His only Son for you? That He looked at your biggest failures, your biggest mistakes, the most ugly things you've ever done, the worst things that have been done to you, And they moved him not to condemnation, 
but to mercy. Do you believe that? Writer and attorney Bob Goff puts it like this. He says, if you hear a voice over your shoulder talking about your biggest failure or mistake, and it isn't calling you beloved, it isn't Jesus talking. Let me read that again. If you hear a voice over your shoulder talking to you about your biggest failure or mistake, and it isn't calling you beloved, it isn't Jesus talking. And friends, Jesus wants to speak to you. He wants to speak to you about your biggest failure, your worst, most awful mistakes. And he does do that. This is the thing about Jesus. He actually is able to talk to you about the truth of who you are. He doesn't ignore the ugly parts of your life. He doesn't dismiss them or say they don't matter, paper them over. He doesn't pat you on the head like a doting grandparent saying, there, there, no big deal. You're a good boy. When you know that there is stuff in your life that's deeply ugly, you don't need someone to tell you a lie about who you are. No, he's got something so much better in store for you than that. He can look at all of your weakness, your meanness, your ugliness, your sin, your selfishness, and he tells the truth about it, a a more vivid truth than we often are able to even comprehend ourselves. But here's the thing, he doesn't walk away. Instead, he offers something so much bigger, forgiveness. Forgiveness that doesn't shrink from naming the full ugliness of what we've been done and yet absorbs that ugliness rather than making us suffer for it. Friends, that's the essence of forgiveness in any relationship. Forgiveness never says nothing wrong has taken place. Forgiveness actually requires that, yes, something has happened that has really hurt me, but I'm not going to make you suffer for it. That's what forgiveness is healing, restoration, wholeness, new life. Okay, but but how do we begin to do this this year? Begin to hear Jesus speaking words of life to us. A couple things. One, I think just fundamentally, we have to get to know his voice better, to hear his word. And, And we do that together on Sundays, so I just encourage you to make it a habit as often as you're able to be here present in the room as we sing the word over one another, as we hear the scriptures read to us, as we hear them explained from the pulpit, as we take and celebrate and savor the word in communion, there's something powerful happens that when we do that together in the same space physically. So do that. Make that a priority. Also, we're starting a a book study. I know that the women's ministry is doing a number of these studies. I think there might be some men's group forming around this as well, but just of the book Gentle and Lowly. It's called, the the subtitle is The Heart of Christ for Sinners and Sufferers. It's one of the best books on the heart of Jesus for people like you and me, for sinners and sufferers that I've ever read. I've read it two or three times. It's so good. So I encourage you, whether you join one of the studies or not, to pick up that book at some point in 2022 and hear the heart of Jesus for you. And then also just continue to read the Gospel of John. We are so blessed as people in this moment of time to have the scriptures 
the words of God preserved for us, translated into our language, available to us in, in, in physical print copies or anywhere, anytime, and in audio Bibles and electronic Bibles on our phones. Just saturate yourself in the gospel of John. Hear these words of life. Let Jesus speak new life into your life. It's why he came. It's who he is, word made flesh. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, I pray that as we launch this new year, that this would be the year that together in fresh ways we encounter the life that you offer us in your living word. Would we come to know Jesus as John knew him? Would he cease to be an idea, a flannel graph character, but a person with whom we have a relationship, who we obey and love and treasure and trust with everything? We pray this in his name and by the power of the Holy Spirit who unites us to him. Amen.